following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. That's when I heard him whisper All of Jesus, none of me All of Jesus All of Jesus All of Jesus, none of me When I found him in wondrous jubilee, should you ask, I'll gladly tell you of the key to our salvation, all of Jesus, none of me. Almighty God, we need you, Jesus. We are in such a desperate place in America where every man does what he thinks is right or does what he thinks he would enjoy, pursuing his own dreams and his own visions, his own ambitions, sinking in his own self-love. And none of you, Jesus... Lord, if you don't come and reverse this, how can America ever be restored? Wicked men, wicked women have co-opted America. They have turned it from something beautiful to something incredibly ugly. Thieves have come amongst us and stolen righteousness. Thieves have come among us and turned us as a nation toward every lust of the heart and every lust of the flesh. Lord, how can we survive 
until it is all of Jesus and none of us. Lord, would you come today? Would you unveil the truths of Scripture that will bring conviction and change in our lives? Come, Holy Spirit of the living God. You know each person who is listening. You know you called them to listen today, to fall under conviction, to be awakened from their religious stupor, to be awakened by their lust and their wickedness, to turn to you, Jesus. You've chosen this time. You have appointed this time. Lord, go forth now in great power. I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm glad you've joined today. I hope you can listen to the full hour. For we're going to go into the scriptures and unveil some truths that are life-changing that call us into a relationship where Jesus is everything and flesh is nothing. I am excited about Jesus. I am excited about Jesus. Not emotionally, not not jump up and down. I'm, I'm excited in my inner being about the peace, about the joy, about the abundance that the presence of Jesus brings that heals my soul and restores me. I'm excited about the person of Jesus. For today, right now, he is in the heavenly realm above. He is serving in the tabernacle that was not made with the hands of men. And he is ministering there, his blood, for the deliverance of, of your soul and mine. Remember from yesterday, I shared with you that passage out of Galatians where it says the work of Jesus Christ is to rescue us from this wicked age. He is in the tabernacle now to do that. But here's the problem. There seems to be a great disconnect in the hearts of people in America today. In, may I say it? There is a disconnect in your heart and in my heart because we are Americans. We know all about American exceptionalism. We know all about the prosperity and the abundance of this nation We know all about the freedom of this nation, even though all of this is now beginning to be utterly stripped away from America, and America will end up as a as a Venezuela, as a third world nation, if there is not great repentance and sorrow for our sin. Now, this disconnect I need to speak about. It is a disconnect of unrighteousness. A disconnect of unrighteousness. What do I mean? Many people in America are very religious. Yes, fewer than there used to be, but still there is a a remnant, there is still a memory of righteousness in the American heart. Now, there are some places where that memory is entirely erased. If you go to Chicago, where the murders are happening one after another, the brutality, the ugliness, the animalistic passions of the heart for drugs and money and power, There are other parts of America where 
leftist progressives like our president and like the Democrats who choose to walk in the progressive belief there is no God there. They are God. And they are working toward a one-world government, a globalism, a one-world religion. They want to take away the Second Amendment. They want to take away the First Amendment. They want to take away the freedom of the Internet. They are despicable people. How do I say that? Because I watch their actions and I listen to their lies. And I consider them ungodly, not Christian. But for most of us in America, there is yet a remnant of holiness. There is yet a remnant of memory. And for many of you, you go to church on a regular basis. You give tithes and offerings. But there is a disconnect between your moral beliefs, between your beliefs in Jesus Christ and the way you actually walk and live. And so a man can go to church and he can go through all of the rituals. He can go forward and take the common cup communion. But as soon as the worship service is over, his attention is on the football or the sports or the world or the money or some other non-Christian conversation. There's no passion to pray for one another. There's just conversation, socializing. There's a disconnect. There's no understanding of the seriousness of the hour in which we live. Everything is casual and laid back and social. There's no gathering in circles on the kneeling and the floor and crying out to God before you leave the body of Christ. Even at the National Prayer Chapel, a part of this disconnect is present. I have to speak the truth. There are times when people will gather together and begin to cry out to God, but there are other times when everybody wants to quickly put the chairs away and escape into whatever they're going to do. Now recognize that we have a limited amount of time there because we rent the space. But I'm talking about an attitude, a disconnect from righteousness, a disconnect to unrighteousness. I often will ask people, what has Jesus done in your life this week? And they look at me like I'm from Mars. I'll say, What has Jesus done for you? What victories have you gained this week in Jesus? And some people, because they know I'm going to ask that question, have kind of settled on their standard answer. And they'll quickly peel off that standard answer. And then I'll say to them, okay, thank you. Now give me the real answer. Has Jesus really done anything for you this week? Have you been transformed this week? Have you gained any victories this week? Have you been engaged in the battle for your soul and for other souls this week? And often people will simply look at me as though I am from Mars. They will be speechless. They will smile. And then they will walk away. Because in reality... There is no connection between their daily life and their profession of faith in Jesus Christ. They are separated. They are disconnected. And so if you ask them about Jesus, oh, yes, I love Jesus. Yes, I serve Jesus. Yes, I'm a Christian. But they leave and they live like the world. They spend their money like the world. They don't sacrifice their time and energy for the sake of the gospel. Their time is filled with their own busyness. 
with their own ambitions, with their own foolishness. I'm very grateful that there are some at the National Prayer Chapel. When I see them, they are so eager to share the testimony that they have borne or that they have intervened in someone's life, and they want to share the glorious work of the Holy Spirit in bringing healing and conviction and change as they have shared with them and loved them and talked with them about Jesus Christ. I'm very grateful for those people. Those are the people who light my fire, who make me excited about the church. Do you have a disconnect in your life? Now, I'm going to be very straightforward with you. There is even yet a bit of a disconnect in my own life and in my own heart. And it It saddens me, and I cry out to Jesus about it. And I have asked him to utterly remove all disconnects from himself. I want Jesus to be everything, everywhere I go, every place I visit, every person I talk to. I want Jesus to be everything. Now, yes, sometimes members and and people will come and talk to me about Pastor, this is what's happening in my business. What should I do? Or they'll just share, this is the struggle I'm having as I do my business. They'll want to dialogue about it. Is that a disconnect? Absolutely no. We talk about everything we need to talk about, but we do so in the context of worshiping and knowing Jesus Christ so that there is no separation in our heart. God does not guide every person to be a pastor. He does not guide every person to be a doctor or a teacher or an attorney. Some people are salesmen. Some people work in offices and write contracts Some people are in plumbing or electricians. But in all of these things, we are first and foremost followers of Jesus Christ. And so these areas of work and employment that we serve in are simply areas of ministry for us. And so, yes, we can talk about the information about how to be an electrician or a plumber or a tax accountant or an attorney or an investor. We can talk about all of that. But what is the central focus of our heart and of our life? Is it, in fact, Jesus, our Lord and our Savior? Or is there a disconnect that allows us to walk out and feast on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and make our own decisions and our own choices and never really understand the connection between our daily, minute-by-minute life and the Lord Jesus Christ? I listened to a sermon recently. The pastor was saying, when you come to Jesus, it's effortless. When you come to Jesus, it's effortless to overcome your sin. It's all by faith. It's all by grace. Well, he was right and he was wrong. The Apostle Paul or whoever, whomever the writer of the book of Hebrews was. In the fourth chapter, verse 11 says, Make every effort. Make every effort to enter into the rest 
that no one may fall by the same example of disobedience. So how do we make an effort to enter into that rest? Well, it is an effort, and it's a painful effort, and it's a suffering effort. Because it means to deny ourselves. It means to deny the world, the flesh, and the devil. It means to turn aside from our own ambitions. That will cause suffering in your life. And as you turn away from it, the word of God comes to you. As you listen to this radio broadcast, the word of God is coming to you. Verse 12, the word of God is living and active to make things happen and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of both soul and spirit of both joints and marrow, even able to discern the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The word of God comes and it discerns what your disconnect is between what you say and what you do. It uncovers your life. It exposes all darkness in your soul. Now, as it comes, it comes under the ministry and under the power of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is the high priest who is ministering in that tabernacle above to remove from your heart and from your life that disconnect between Jesus and the world. Now, in chapter 5, speaking about Jesus, who in the days of his flesh, having offered up both prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears to the one being able to save him out of death. Do you understand? Jesus does not want a disconnect between himself and the Father. And he now, as a human person, is having to struggle, agonize, so as not to enter into a disconnect between himself and the Father. He struggles to have no disconnect. Some of you who are married, you need to struggle valiantly to not have a disconnect between yourself and your wife, between yourself and your children, between yourself and the church. A woman said to me just last week, she had not been present at the prayer chapel for several weeks. And so I contacted her. And I said, are you still a part of the National Prayer Chapel? I've known her for many years. And she answered me, as I expected, Oh, Pastor Ray, I will always serve Jesus. Jesus and I are very close. I said, my dear friend, as long as you are distant from the body of Christ, you are distant from Jesus Christ. There is a disconnect in her life. She thinks she can have this wonderful personal relationship with Jesus, and she doesn't need brothers and sisters. She doesn't need to be held accountable. She doesn't need to give testimony. She doesn't need to give tithes and offerings. Everything for her, it's Jesus to the exclusion of the body of Christ. When you say, Jesus is everything to me. Do you mean Jesus without a body? Do you mean just a head? Jesus said he was the head of the church. 
You need to be in church. You need to be in Jesus. Now, when you come into the body of Christ and into Jesus Christ, it needs to be all focused on Jesus. Now, in my body, my physical body, I've been struggling with a deep chest problem, a cough. It'll, as I'm speaking to you, it'll just suddenly come out. Well, I was very ill for a couple of weeks and off air and had to take medication. But the the part of it is still hanging on. Am I concerned about that? Yes, and I'm doing things that are necessary to get the rest and the nutrition so that I can be completely healed. Well, where's that direction coming from? It's coming from the head. The head and the body are connected closely. So my mind is saying, get these vitamins in you, take this nutrition I was going to skip breakfast this morning. But the Holy Spirit speaking in my mind said, do not stress your body. Go get breakfast. So off I went. You understand there is a a connection between the head and the body. But the head is what runs it. If there is a disconnect between you and the head, because you refuse to be a part of the body. How can you be helped? Now, the problem is, many of you are part of the body that has been separated from the head. Jesus, in speaking to the churches in Revelation, said, if you don't repent... I'm going to come and remove the lampstand from among you. I'm going to remove myself. I'm going to leave you. In other words, if you disconnect from the head, your body will be dying. And then we have to have the institutional church step in to to make sure the church continues as a business. And then we have to have the programming. We have to have all of the music, the entertainment. The pastor has to be an entertainer. You have to have the drama and the, and the concerts and the international speakers. And you have to have all of these things because Jesus has left. He is separate. He is no longer there. But they have an ongoing business, and they don't want the business of the church to die. They have a mortgage on their building. They have responsibilities for staff. Everybody is depending on this organization continuing. And so it becomes an institution. An institution's first and foremost goal is preservation of of the institution not of Jesus and not of the relationship with Jesus. And so churches become ugly hulks of wickedness, centers of darkness, where sin is not spoken of, where pastors are hired like hirelings. They negotiate for their salaries. There's no presence of Jesus So the word of God needs to come and it needs to expose this disconnect. It needs to expose the disconnect of unrighteousness. Now Jesus cried out because he did not want that disconnect to take place. And it says, 
He cried out with strong crying and tears to the one being able to save him out of death and having been heard because of his reverent fellowship, reverent koinonia, reverent connection. Although being a son, he learned obedience from the things which he suffered. And after had been made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all the ones obeying him, all the ones without the disconnect between their mind, their life, and Jesus Christ. Now, the writer of the book of Hebrews comes with a very serious warning. And that warning is against spiritual immaturity. Because if we do not quickly grow up in Christ, Satan will come and rob us and steal from us and create this disconnect in our lives so that then on from that point forward, we never grow up in Christ. We never understand what righteousness is. We're always just being fed a bottle and a binky to keep us happy. Let me read it for you. He says, this is Hebrews, the fifth chapter, verse 11 concerning whom we have much to say. It's hard to explain since you have become dull in your hearing. You have become dull in your hearing. Many of you listening today are dull in your hearing. You've heard the wonderful, pleasant little ditties. Jesus loves you. You're covered by God's grace. Don't worry. Be happy. Have fun. Enjoy life. You're used to all of these little baby pieces of candy. The disconnect is there. He says, for indeed being obligated to be teachers because of the time, again, you have need that someone should teach you the fundamentals of the beginning of the oracles of God. In fact, you have become ones having need of milk and not solid food. In other words, you need a bottle yet because you have been disconnected. You have not become a teacher of righteousness because you have not grown in righteousness. Now it says, now the one enjoying milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, of innocence. You will have no power against the devil if you have no righteousness in your own life, if you have no true holiness, you will be powerless against the devil's attacks. It is the breastplate of righteousness, real righteousness, that preserves our life in Jesus Christ. It is something that Jesus does. It is something that Jesus gives to us and works into our soul. Now, let me share what the scriptures say, how that is accomplished. Verse 14, but solid food, that is teaching on righteousness, is for the mature because of practice, the senses having been exercised to discern both good and evil. 
He's saying that this righteousness has come about because we have practiced righteousness. How have we practiced righteousness? Our senses, what we see with our eyes, what we hear with our ears, what we smell with our nose, the five senses, what we have tasted with our mouth, He's saying that with these senses, we begin to discern what is wickedness and what is righteousness. We begin to discover, for example, that if you take a great deal of time and you devour the latest news about the violent murders in Orlando, if you take the latest news and all of the wickedness of that, you will begin to notice that the presence of Jesus begins to withdraw from you. You discern this with your senses. I am very acutely aware as I do this broadcast that the Holy Spirit comes down into this studio and is present as I am speaking this word. I'm very aware of the presence of the Holy Spirit in my life. And when the Holy Spirit begins to withdraw, I'm very conscious of his withdrawal. And immediately I seek him and ask, what is the issue that would cause you to withdraw from me, mighty Spirit of the living God? When the presence of Jesus begins to be withdrawn, I desire even more earnestly to seek after him. Sometimes Jesus will withdraw from me so that I cannot perceive his presence to simply say, Ray, come closer to me. I will go into a time of dryness where I read the scriptures and they they taste dry to my mouth. Now, there are only two reasons why that's possible. One, I've been feasting on things other than Jesus And so I have been seared and I have lost my taste for the word. Or Jesus is moving to say, I want you to come closer to me. And so it initiates a time of crying out to God. It initiates a time of deeper dying. It initiates a time of deeper commitment to Jesus. It initiates a a greater separation from all things in the flesh and the world. It sharpens my eyesight to see the works of the devil that perhaps I had been deceived by. And so I grow in righteousness. The disconnect to unrighteousness is revealed and its power is broken by the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, some of you are saying, what in the world are you talking about, Pastor? If that's what you're saying, know that this passage applies for you, that you still need milk because you're unskilled in the word of righteousness. Because you have never practiced with your senses to determine what will and what will not please Jesus. If you go to the refrigerator, you go to the cupboards and you feast on that food and become a glutton, I can tell you now the Holy Spirit will withdraw from you and you will simply have the intellectual memory of what you're supposed to do and not do, but there will be no quickening power in your spirit. And if you begin to discern that, if you begin to understand that, 
You will say, I will no longer be a glutton and I will no longer eat all of that sugar because when I do that, the Holy Spirit withdraws from me. And you will say, I do not want the Holy Spirit to withdraw. In the mornings, one of the first things I do as I awaken is I put on my jogging clothes and I go and walk or I jog. And as I'm doing that, as my body is waking up and my mind is becoming alert, I am crying out to Jesus over the day. And then I come back from my jog and I sit outside on my patio and I take my scriptures and I begin to read and I begin to pray because I want my day entirely focused in Jesus Christ. I begin to pray for you who listen to this broadcast. I begin to pray for the members at the National Prayer Chapel by name. I begin to intercede for those who are struggling or who are sick. I begin to cry out to Jesus for them to hear what he would have me say if I'm to be in touch with them that day. Now, let me talk about another part, and I'll be very vulnerable. There's some days when I wake up in the morning, and fear is raging in my heart. And I have to go into the prayer closet, and I have to begin to confess to Jesus the fear that has taken possession of my mind. And I begin to ask him to give me understanding of this fear. What is its source? Where is it flowing from? And I begin to lay it out as the Holy Spirit gives me understanding before Jesus. And I rebuke this fear in the name of Jesus because I recognize that fear is to expect punishment. It means there is a lack of love. It means there is a self-concern. It means that there is an area of immaturity in my heart. And I have to come and bring that boldly to the throne of grace and remain there until Jesus has removed that fear from my mind and from my heart. Sometimes it's done in a matter of minutes. There are some mornings where it may take me two hours or longer. How could I come to this radio broadcast and have my heart filled with fear and not be in the peace of Jesus? I can't, for I would have nothing to say to you. I have to come fresh in the morning to the throne room of God and get fresh from the throne and from the altar, the fire of God to come and pour out for you so that you will be touched by the word of the living God. I cannot come with some stale bread into your presence and offer that for you to eat. I cannot come with some clever word from Satan that will entertain you. No, I have to come fresh, right from the the altar of God, the coals of God. I have to come with that fresh in my heart and my hand, and I have to hand it to you hot. Healing, convicting, restoring, calling you deeper into Jesus. And this disconnect causes our hearts to become cold and filled with fear. And only the prayer closet will turn that around with confession and repentance, allowing the Holy Spirit to come and heal our hearts and restore us to his presence. You see, I don't want one moment spent out of the presence of God. Now, we're almost out of time today, and I promised my producer I would open the phone lines. 877-534-0780. Do you need me to pray for you today about this disconnect? 
Do you recognize what I'm talking about? Are you immature and unable to discern righteousness? Do you need me to pray for you? Do you have a testimony of what God has done for you? And of the joy of your salvation? Is it fresh from the throne room of God? Is it fresh from the altar of God? If it's the same old, same old, don't call. But if it's hot and fresh, then quickly call and share that testimony. We have time for maybe one or two quick calls. 877-534-0780. You're listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenlee. I pastor the National Prayer Chapel. And if what I'm saying to you is touching your heart and you know you need to grow up in righteousness, you need to get off the baby milk. You need to leave the binky behind and and the whole issue of being a victim, being depressed, being discouraged, being arrogant, hard-hearted. If you know you need to leave behind and get serious with Jesus, then come to the National Prayer Chapel because there you will find a people who you can fellowship with in Jesus Christ. So I invite you and urge you, if you need Jesus in the way I speak of him, then come to the National Prayer Chapel, no no matter how far you have to drive, no matter what the cost. Isn't Jesus worth everything? So let me tell you where we meet. We meet at the All Saints Anglican Church. We rent space from them in their lower lobby. Come to the church. It's located at 14851. That's 14851. Gideon Drive, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22192. Or go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, and there you'll find a map even. It is easy to reach us. We're just south of Washington, off 95 at the Woodbridge exit. We're right next to the Hilton Memorial Chapel. Many of you have come to events there. Well, we're in the church right next door. So I invite you to come, drive around to the back side of the parking lot, and there you'll see a large sign that says lower lobby. Come in the double glass doors, ground level, and you'll come in that door, and immediately on your left, you'll see the National Prayer Chapel Worship Center. We start at 12 noon with corporate prayer. Come and pray with us. Leave early. Sometimes traffic is heavy. Come and worship with us this Sunday. Now, I also would like to invite you to participate in the giving, in the tithing to this ministry so that this broadcast can continue on the air, calling you to Jesus, convicting you by the power of the Spirit, healing you by the blood of Jesus. Write to me. Pastor Ray Greenley, make your check out to the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Again, the mailing address is the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346 Woodbridge, Virginia 22195 I want to thank each of you who has been so faithful in your giving. It sometimes brings me to tears. I am so grateful for brothers and sisters who have a heart cry for Washington, D.C. I have served as a pastor in Washington, D.C. now for well over 40 years. I'm standing on the promises of God. I was sent to this city by the Holy Spirit 
I've done tutoring down at the Logan School area. I've run a free medical clinic and coffee house ministry called The Gate in Georgetown, right on M Street. I've street preached in this city. I've pastored churches in this city. I love Washington, D.C., the whole metro area. It's where the Lord assigned me to labor, and I have now labored for over 40 years here. The cry of my heart is for this city to be revived, to be turned from darkness, from wickedness, to become followers of Jesus Christ without the disconnect true servants of the Most High God, true, dedicated, humble men and women who know how to pick up the sword of the Spirit. I cry out for men, for men who will pick up the sword of the Spirit and learn how to use it. Oh, yes, I want the women too, but when the Lord called me to start the National Prayer Chapel, I said, Lord, I love the ladies, but if you're going to make me do this, if you've called me to this, then, Lord, give me more men than women. And almost always there are many more men present than women. The ladies will come if the men come. We need a robust, masculine gospel, a real gospel that you can get your teeth in. That's the National Prayer Chapel. So I invite you to come this Sunday in fellowship with us. Again, go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. No calls have come. I'm not surprised. It's part of the disconnect that I'm talking about today. These phone lines should be jammed with men and women eagerly saying, let me have a chance on the radio, Pastor, to talk about Jesus. But that's not happening because that disconnect is there. It grieves my heart. I pray, oh God, heal this disconnect in your people. Oh Lord, mighty God of heaven, this disconnect grieves my soul. It discourages me from even continuing to preach the word because it seems so utterly hopeless. But Lord, Jeremiah saw the same disconnect. Isaiah saw the same disconnect. Ezekiel saw the same disconnect in their days. And Jesus, you saw the same thing in your day. So it's not a strange thing, but it's a desperate, wicked thing. Lord, I pray you'll heal this disconnect of unrighteousness. I pray you'll give us the courage to stand up and be counted for the cross. To not deny you, but to boldly take every advantage to speak about you, Jesus, and to lift you up and to honor your name and to glorify you before men. Lord, I thank you. I pray in your holy name. Amen. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I love you. I want you to be filled with the presence of the Holy Spirit. I want revival power in your heart and in your life. And I want this disconnect healed. I'll talk to you soon. Before the presence of His glory Great joy, with great joy.